Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Verses 15 to 22, Exodus chapter 1. Then looking in the the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. One day, an expert in religion, in religious law, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. By chance, the priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. 
verses 25 to 37, Luke chapter 10. Thank you, Father, once again for your word. Thank you for the power and the grace that rests upon your word. Thank you for the opportunity you give us of being able to be faithful hearers and doers of your word as well. Lord, thank you for how that your word guides us, counsels us, empowers us, and empowers our prayer life. Anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer. More and more empower us to be the praying church you've called us to be and empower us to be the loving church, the kind, the compassionate, and the giving church you've called us to be, giving of ourselves, our time, our effort, our energy, our treasure to build your kingdom and to love the world around us that desperately needs to be touched by the love of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producers, Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for this time, and thank you for all you've given us. Thank you so much for Jesus and uh, his death and resurrection and for the Holy Spirit that strengthened us each and every day. Father, I ask that you'd speak in truth through Pastor Joseph today, that you'd uh, grow us in your word and that you'd grow us in uh, maturity. And Father, I ask that you'd spread the gospel more and more, that people may know the good news of salvation and of uh, just eternal life and how well and intently and personally you love us. Thank you, Father, in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. As we often do, we share uh, discipleship articles and tools that will help to strengthen you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. want to share just such an article um, this morning. And then shortly, we'll be introducing our phone guest. But to begin with, I'm going to share an article that, of course, it did appear on the AFA stand. If you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at AFR.net. Again, that's joseph at AFR.net. But in light of the fact that we live in a culture where, sadly, there's still many people that think it's okay to murder babies in the womb, it's so important for we, the church, to proclaim the truth in love, to help people understand God's heart, God's mind, that God sees every baby as precious Every baby created from from and by his hand, and they all belong to him. And so it's important for we as the church to boldly proclaim the truth that, again, God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, choose life that you and your children may live. The title of this article is Men, Life, and Abortion. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. And then Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 tells us these words, you shall not murder. And then Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. And before I read that passage, you just keep keep in mind too, the King James uses the word, you shall not kill. The proper, more correct translation is you shall not murder, which is you shall not take innocent life, of course. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? 
Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Again, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. And then the final passage at this point, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Again, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. In our nation, it's commonly said that abortion and abortion rights are about a woman having the right to choose what to do with her own body. This is one of the ongoing claims of pro-choice people who are sold out to the tragedy of abortion. However, if the concern is really about a woman's quote-unquote right to choose, then consider a huge issue that's being profoundly ignored in our culture today. Statistically speaking, men are the driving force behind many abortions. And what a tragedy it is that men are very often the engines behind many abortions in our culture. Allow me to share a scenario that is tragically too common. A man, often a boyfriend, yet sometimes a husband, upon learning that his girlfriend or wife is pregnant, will become upset. Often he'll become angry and ask a typically stupid question, such as, how did this happen? His actual thoughts may very well be, why didn't you do all you could to prevent this with all the birth control methods and means there are? He'll then selfishly make other statements like, I'm not ready to be a daddy, or we can't afford a baby, or how could you have let this happen? Then the next words from, this, from his mouth may often be, you will get an abortion. Do you understand? There's no need for discussion. And in many cases, the woman does exactly what her boyfriend or husband demands. Though it's very often stated that this issue is about a woman's right to choose, in such a case, is she choosing? In many such instances, you have a woman who either wants to keep her baby or you have a woman who is on the fence and undecided. Then upon receiving the reaction of her boyfriend or husband, she'll decide, I better do what he says. Again, this situation is extremely common in our culture. Even though it's said that it's her right to choose, too terribly often she's being coerced or more or less forced to have an abortion against her will. Now, it's actually against the law to force or coerce a woman to have an abortion if she wants to keep her baby. Tragically, though, many women don't know that this is the law. Many of them don't realize that the law is on their side. Many men don't know that this, is, that this is the law either. And also, sadly, many men don't care. This is actually the law in all 50 states. Again, if the woman wants to keep her baby, it's against the law for dad or mom or boyfriend or husband or anyone else to try to coerce her to do otherwise. So it's not hard to see that even though many claim they want to maintain a woman's right to choose, this is actually not really the goal for many who are pro-choice. Time and time again, in, in this situation, the woman is not choosing at all. Very often, the man is. There's an overwhelming need for persons who know and understand the law in this situation to help inform more people of the law. It, it can be done by word of mouth, obviously, yet two helpful resources are, number one, the Dear Client Letter, and number two, the Dear Parent Letter, found at thejusticefoundation.org from the ministry of the Justice Foundation in Texas. Churches and schools should get copies of this, these items or similar resources to help people 
come to know and be informed of the law again in all 50 states. Men too often have taken women's right to choose life away. They've done exactly what they should not have done, demanded an abortion. This situation needs to end. The ignorance and selfishness of our culture have already done way too much damage. Any concerned individual can help spread the word. Again, the title of this article, Men, Life, and Abortion. Again, if you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We are very honored and blessed to have as our phone guest today, Aisha Taylor. She's a young Christian lady. She's an entrepreneur and also has a very powerful testimony that she's going to be sharing with us today. Aisha, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. An honor to have you on today. And I'm going to ask if you'll uh, take a few moments to further introduce yourself. And uh, uh, we're coming up on a break in a few moments, but at least you'll start to introduce yourself and we can pick up on the other side. Yeah, so um, like I said, my name is Aisha Taylor, and I work with single moms who are facing an unplanned parent, um, pregnancy to be able to navigate their life, motherhood, and their finances phenomenally. And the reason why I do this is because I am actually a single mom of twins, and I experienced an unplanned pregnancy over eight years ago. So my twins are now eight, and so when I was pregnant, it was closer to nine years ago, and I was being pressured um, to have an abortion. But I ended up choosing life. And just from my experiences navigating the pregnancy um, and then transitioning into motherhood, it really uh, was my motivation behind doing what I do for for single moms. And so I have a corporate finance background. So before I became a single mom, I actually worked in corporate finance. And I also have a personal finance background where I've worked with uh, women and actually men for a number of years and helping to transform their finances. So it's just so interesting how God brought that all together to be able to help me. me to be able to Aisha, I'm going to jump in right here. We're going to pick up right there on the other side. Our phone guest is Aisha Taylor, and she's going to be sharing her testimony. We'll be right back. Jennifer Meikle with Great God. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Aisha Taylor. 
Uh, she's an entrepreneur and also the director of the ministry FN Phenomenal. And also she works uh, in uh, pregnancy ministry as well. Aisha, if you'll kind of pick up where you left off and then um, after you finish uh, what you wanted to share there specifically, we want to get right into hearing your, your powerful testimony, okay? Yeah, so uh, it's so interesting how uh, I know when I was pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant, one of the first things that their dad said to me when I told him was, we're not playing for keeps. And so, so interesting how you had shared that article earlier about men and men really trying to take the choice away from the women because I was severely pressured mm. to have an abortion um, to the point where it turned verbally abusive mm. um, the longer I stood for life. And I ended up dealing with a depression for a number of years after because mm. my mind was just so not in a good space. Uh, from mm-hmm. having to deal with all of those verbal onslaughts. And so it's just, I know that a lot of women, when they find themselves in an un- unplanned pregnancy, they're really fearful about what their future means. And they're really fearful about how their life is going to unfold, how they're going to manage financially, uh, what's going to happen to their future. Are they going to be able to take care of their kids? Are they going to be able to have a life? of a good quality, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just find it so interesting because when I ended up in that um, situation, those were the same things running through my mind. Mm -hmm. And because of the pressure from him, because of my own fears, it almost led me to aborting my twins. Well, Aisha, would you take a moment now, before you proceed uh, sharing your testimony, would you pray for women who may very well find themselves in a similar situation at this moment, people who are being pressured by someone or just feeling pressured by their circumstances to go the route of abortion? And, of course, it's important for us to know that every child is precious, and God's Word lets us know clearly He doesn't want abortion to happen, but there are many pressures that bear upon people. So would you pray for women who may find themselves at that place today? Yes. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I just want to come to you on behalf of every uh, woman who finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy and is considering abortion, whether she's considering abortion because she's fearful, she's afraid, she's worried about her finances, uh, she's worried about her future, she's worried about her support system, she's worried about what he thinks, she's worried about who's going to be in her corner, she's worried about if um, if she's a Christian, what people in her church might say. There's so many things that these women are really worried about. And some women are even worried about about being a single mom because of the stigma attached to it. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to her heart today. And I pray, Lord, that she sees you as her provider. She sees you as her Jehovah Jireh. She sees you and is able to anchor herself in your word that says that you provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that she will realize that she will have no lack and that you will pour out your abundance upon her and so that she has overflow. And I pray that you give her peace of mind. I pray, Lord, that she experiences you as the Prince of Peace, her Jehovah Shalom, 
to know that um, her peace comes from you and that um, you pour out your peace in abundance. And so, Lord, I just pray um, that she chooses life. And I pray that if there's anyone pressuring her, that she's able to stand firm because you are her rock, you are her firm foundation. And even if she does not know you, we know that there is nothing too hard for you. And you can even transform the hearts of unbelievers to help them to be able to see life and to be able to see your hand on their life and that they will be okay. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Aisha. And I want to say to any woman who may find themselves in that situation today, please uh, call, find and call your local pregnancy clinic because that's a part of what they're there for, to to help you, help walk with you during this uh, challenging time and to let you know that you're not by yourself, that God's people at work through local pregnancy ministries and local churches are ready to help and come alongside. So again, please don't remain by yourself. Find out your local pregnancy clinic. Give them a call. That's, again, a part of what they're there for, The hand being the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, Aisha, if you'll pick up your story where you left off there. Yeah, and so um, just going through all of that, I ended up— um, I ended up becoming so afraid and so fearful and about my future, my finances, that I ended up picking up the phone to call an abortion clinic. And then, praise be to the Lord, the clinic did not answer the phone. And so by that point, I had gone to my OB, confirmed the pregnancy, uh, was still on the fence, but I was moving, doing all the right things, uh, you know, with moving forward for keeping, even though I was still undecided because I wanted to continue on, but I was under a lot of pressure to terminate. And when I couldn't take the pressure anymore, that's when I picked up the phone to call the abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they didn't pick up the phone. And then I ended up going to church that evening because Bible study was that evening and I was going anyway. Mm -hmm. And this lets you know that, you know, according to the statistics, there's really no difference between people who are believers in Christ and people who are not believers in abortion. And Mm -hmm. so I was ready to make that appointment and then go on the Bible study and praise the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Lord did not allow that to happen. They did not pick up the phone. I went to Bible study, and the pastor shared a message that said, never make a—he was talking about storms and how to navigate through seasons of storms. And he said, never make a permanent decision based upon a temporary situation. And that's when I realized that abortion was permanent. But what I was going through with their dad, all the fears about my finances, my future, they were all temporary because I had just quit my corporate job mm-hmm. to become a full-time entrepreneur to teach personal finances. Mm-hmm. And, so that, and so right after I did that, I ended up experiencing the unplanned pregnancy. So you can imagine what was going through my mind, like, okay, so my corporate job is gone. I just quit it. Now what? Mm-hmm. And it was just, but God was faithful. God literally was there. And I just experienced his presence, his peace, his love, his guidance, and it was not easy, but it was a test of faith. Mm-hmm. And because of that season, I can stand firmly and say that God is real. Mm-hmm. If you trust him, he will make a way out of no way. Mm-hmm. He is there for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm not saying that the last eight years have been easy because they're not. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't. There were ups and downs. There were definitely financial struggles. Like I said, I dealt with depression for a number of years. 
Mm-hmm. But God pulled me out of it. And through that experience, he birthed his ministry in me to be able to help and encourage single moms who are facing unplanned pregnancies to move forward with their life. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up writing a book called Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood, because I wanted these moms to have a manual like, okay, you're pregnant. Now what? Because that's so many, that's the question on so many people's minds. Like now what? What happens next? And so that book was designed to answer that, to be able to help you to navigate uh, building your support system, managing your finances, standing strong and being rooted in the Lord to be able to help you to move forward. And I also have a YouTube channel as well. Um, It's the at sign at uh, at sign Aisha, A-I-S-H-A-J Taylor. And in that, I share empowering messages for single moms and moms facing an unplanned pregnancy and also a Bible study um, every week. So every week I upload at least two messages designed to help you along your motherhood journey, transform your mindset and focus on Christ because Christ is truly your firm foundation. Mm. Now, the name of your the ministry that you start again is F in phenomenal, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, spell the whole uh, word one more time for us. It's F as in family, N as in Nancy, P-H-E-N-O-M-E-N-A-L. All right. And so if someone wants to uh, look up your website, how would they do that? They would go to fnphenomenal.com. Okay. All right. And uh, did you say you did you say you have a YouTube channel as well and and or yep. a blog? Okay. Yep. And so the blog is at fnphenomenal.com and the YouTube channel is at www.youtube.com slash at sign Aisha J. Taylor. And my first name is spelled A-I-S-H-A. All right. And so if someone wants to get the book as well, um, they can go to this, go to your website to get the book. Yep. They can um, go to my website or they can go directly to Amazon. I have it, um, the book on the website, uh, and it links to Amazon. So if you type in Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, you will see the book on Amazon. Okay. Well, uh, tell me this, Aisha, too. I recall when I had the privilege of hearing you share your testimony at an event that you participated at the specifically at the March for Life in the state of Ohio. You shared an experience about seeing the ultrasound of your baby. Can you share that with our listeners? Yes, yes. That was very a very big defining moment in my decision to continue on with my pregnancy. So at this time, I was dealing with a lot of pressure from him. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny because, not the pressure, but the ultrasound was funny because, um, you know, I have a lot of twins in my family. And when the doctor, when the sonographer performed the ultrasound, the first question I asked, I said, I just want to know, is it one or two? Mm-hmm. And she said, it's two. Mm-hmm. And I about cried. I, I literally had a meltdown in the ultrasound room because at this point I'm pregnant, right? I just quit my job <laughs> to be a full-time entrepreneur and I'm having twins. And mm-hmm. so because I have a finance background, I really looked at my budget to see what I needed in order to be able to sustain me and continue to allow me to grow. And so the math just wasn't adding up when I saw that I was going to be pregnant with two. Mm-hmm. And 
it was it was hard. It was hard um, at first, and I remember going to church. God, God's hand was all on this because I ended up getting the ultrasound Good Friday, mm-hmm. and so I got it done right before I went to church. Mm-hmm. And so even though I was having a meltdown, it was almost like God had a built-in safety net. It's like, okay, she's crying. She's panicking. All right, she's going to be at church and be in the presence of the Lord, right? <laughs> but I remember um, when I couldn't stand, I, I no longer felt that I was able to stand firm on my decision to, for life because the pressure from their dad was so intense. I ended up going back to my regularly scheduled doctor's appointment. And I, like I said, I was doing everything like I would if I was going to keep the baby, but I was still undecided. And so at that point, I had made the decision to terminate. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to see my babies one more time on the ultrasound machine. And when I was in there and um, looking at the screen, it was like one of the twins turned and we locked eyes and we made eye contact. Mm -hmm. And I broke down hysterically crying in that ultrasound room, like like could not contain myself because I felt like I was failing my kids. Like Mm -hmm. here they were flipping around, like enjoying themselves in my womb because you can like through the ultrasound, you can see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So you can see them moving around. You can see them playing. And I'm just like seeing them playing, seeing them responding to my voice, seeing uh, their interaction with me, even though they were not born, it was like we were connected. And so when we made eye contact, I felt like an utter failure Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I, I didn't feel, I felt awful because I felt like I wasn't strong enough to defend them. And I felt that weak in that moment, like I was so weak that I would bow to pressure to terminate a pregnancy mm-hmm. that I, I wanted, even though I was afraid, I did not want to abort them. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't know how to move forward, I did not want to abort them because deep inside of my soul, I knew that they deserved life. I mm-hmm. knew that they deserved to be alive. And I felt like a failure. And so when I left that ultrasound appointment, I went to go do the blood work and everything that they do um, for your appointment. And the nurse that I had the first time I was in there, she asked me how I was doing. And just that simple question of how are you today? Mm-hmm. I just finished getting my blood drawn and I started crying, literally weeping in the hallway, hyperventilating. And she said, I cannot let you leave like this. Mm -hmm. I need you to come into the nurse counselor's office um, so you can calm down. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke to the nurse counselor, and the best thing that she could have done was to listen to me. I just cried, and I told her everything that was going on, and she made me promise her not to make a decision until I had a chance to talk to a therapist. And when I tell you God strategically planted people in my life to be able to speak life to me when I didn't think that I can continue on with my pregnancy, I'm so grateful for it. And I just want to challenge all of the listeners to this radio program right now. Like, where can you speak up for life? Even in your everyday circumstances, that lady who was a nurse counselor who made me promise not to have an abortion until I had a chance to speak to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And she gave me the therapist's name. She didn't work at a pregnancy center. She was in an OBGYN's office. Mm-hmm. But she was able to empower me to be able to help Aisha, me. Aisha, I'm going to jump in one more time, and we'll pick up right there on the other side of the break. Our phone guest okay. today is Aisha Taylor. Uh, she's a young mom and an entrepreneur with a very powerful testimony that she's sharing with us today. We'll be right back. 
Mandisa with God Speaking. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Aisha Taylor, 
She's an author, the author of the book, Navigating the Impossible, A Survival Guide for Single Moms uh, from Pregnancy Through the First Year of Motherhood, as well as she's an entrepreneur. And also she's an advocate at a local pregnancy clinic in her community as well. And before Aisha comes back, though, let me share this, too. Again, one of the great goals behind uh, this broadcast is is to challenge believers to become vibrant prayer warriors who know how to get things done through their prayer life as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but also discipleship, the work of helping us to live the life as faith, live life as faithful disciples. And remember this, in life, every issue is a discipleship issue. Every concern, every matter is really a discipleship matter. Are we going to honor God in this particular area of our lives or are we going to do things our own way? So it's important that we as the church understand our responsibility is to teach believers how to be disciples in every matter, in every area of life, in every concern, in every issue that they ever face. And uh, just very briefly, uh, one of the things that come to mind is I think of Aisha's powerful testimony. And in relation to the uh, the article we shared earlier about men, life, and abortion— there's such a great need for the church to disciple men to understand that, first and foremost, men are supposed to uh, marry a young woman if he's before he's involved with her sexually. Obviously, the Bible lets us know marriage is honorable and all, and the marriage bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. That's scripture. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. But also, if a man happens to not be married to the young woman that he and he um, impregnates her, the fact is, real men take responsibility. They don't say, get an abortion. Real men say, I'm going to step and be a man to help take care of my children because that's exactly what they are. They're his children as well. So one of the great needs is for the church to disciple men and women to follow the Lord faithfully and carefully as well. There's an article that I've shared before, and uh, it it bears uh, repeating Again, I'm just going to share a portion. The title of the article is Biblical Images of Manhood. I'm just going to share a portion about why it's so important for we, the church, to disciple men. A part of the article reads this way. Boys ask questions while men give answers. Boys play house while men build homes. Boys shack up while men get married. Boys make babies while men raise children. A boy won't raise his own children. A man will raise his and someone else's when the need arises. Boys make excuses for failure while men produce ways and strategies to succeed. Boys look for someone to take care of them. Men look for someone to take care of. Boys drop out of school saying that school is a waste of their time while men recognize the importance of and the value of education and preparation. They desire to be educated and or trained or to gain a skill in order to reach their full potential in life. Father, thank you for us as the church. Lord, anoint the church. Stir us afresh to be the church, faithfully preparing godly men to be the godly men you've called us to be. Help us to recognize, Lord, we're made in your image. We're to be leaders that provide protection, provision, and blessing to the women and the girls of our lives help us more and more as the church to prepare men to be real men that glorify you in the way they care themselves. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Aisha, once again, if someone wants to get a copy of your book, tell them the title of the book and how they can get a copy of it, please. So 
Um, the title of my book is called Navigating the Impossible, a Survival Guide for Single Moms from Pregnancy Through the First Year of Motherhood, and it is available on Amazon. All right, then. And so you indicated you're also an advocate at a pregnancy ministry as well. Tell us about that, that work that you do there. Yes. And so before I jump into that, um, you actually said a prayer um, that I wanted to actually jump um, and add to it. Okay. Um, it was beautiful as is, but it reminded me of something when you were talking about the church and discipleship. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it reminded me of is once I have my twins, and like I said, I'm, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time. I wanted to get my twins dedicated. And the church that I went to initially told me no because I'm a single mom. And what the elder of the church said is that because I'm a single mom, he doesn't know my relationship with God. And they take uh, this um, dedications very seriously, and they could not dedicate my kids because I was a single mom, and he didn't think I took my walk with Christ seriously. And I was heartbroken because Hmm. I had already fought for life for my kids. Their dad walked out when I was four months pregnant, Mm -hmm. and I went through a lot. Um, just to be able to stand firm on that decision for life, being able to, you know, overhaul my entire life to make sure that I would be, you know, the best mom I could be for my kids mm-hmm. and just fought to make sure that they had, they didn't lack, right? Mm-hmm. And to rely on Christ as my foundation and to have someone tr- judge me mm-hmm. and say that I must not have had a relationship with Christ because I was pregnant and therefore he wasn't going to dedicate my kids was very hurtful. Mm. And it was not the first time that I've heard that. I know a number of people who that's happened to. And when I shared that story publicly, a number of women came in my comments saying that it either happened to them or it happened to somebody that they know. So when we talk about the church rising up, mm-hmm. um, the church definitely needs to really talk about relevant cultural issues, including sexual integrity, mm-hmm. to the young kids, right? Starting mm-hmm. young, like, you know, age appropriate, of course, but the schools are discipling them the other way. That's right. So the churches definitely need to rise up and teach that. But also, if a woman finds herself in a situation where she's dealing with an unplanned pregnancy, then the church should not shun her, try and send her away, or refuse to dedicate her kids. Because what we're trying to do is bring the mom, you know, disciple the mom. But as you disciple the mom, you get to disciple the kids. Mm-hmm. and raise up a next generation in Christ. So if you throw the mom away because, you know, she's unwed and pregnant or, you know, has a small children, like it's a single mom, then you're losing that discipleship operation um, opportunity, but also you're not being the church. You know, Aisha, so, that, that's such a powerful point, and our, our time is almost gone, though, but I want to say this. First, uh, allow me to do this. Let me say, let me apologize on behalf of the church to you, as well as to other moms, because that minister was wrong. The fact is he should have been—it's never wrong for a parent to want to dedicate or rededicate their children. That's always wise under any circumstances, and just as you mentioned, it's a discipleship opportunity. So for him to have refused to have done it, but, you know, the sad reality is we have a—just like in Jesus' day, we have people that are Pharisees today. They don't understand their faith and they're walking in love as the church like they need to. So, again, I apologize on behalf of that individual and the church that is or, or so-called church leaders that make mistakes like that. So I wanted to mention that, okay? 
Yeah, thank you. And so I just wanted to pray and say, Lord, Lord, I just pray that you equip your church to be able to help stand in the gap for um, those who need it most. Lord, you say in your word that we are supposed to care for the widows and the orphans. And so, Lord, I just pray that the church um, has a heart for the widows, the orphans, the single moms, and the least of these, and to come alongside these women and help equip them, disciple them and their children to help be there, be the church for them, and help them grow in their walk with Christ. And I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Aisha, thank you so much for being with us today. Again, our phone guest has been Aisha Taylor. Again, she's the the author of the book, Navigating the Impossible, A Survival Guide for Single Moms from Pregnancy Through the First Year of Motherhood. And also, she's the director for the ministry, FN Phenomenal as well. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior. Today is a great day to get saved. Today is a wonderful day to commit and fully commit your heart and your life to the Lord. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived You died on the cross to pay for all the sins and the wrong things I've done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. You told us in your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you, to be in touch with you. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and grow in a vibrant relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please get in touch with us. We definitely want to share that information with you once again, joseph at afr.net. Aisha, one more time, if someone wants to get your book, Navigating the Impossible, tell them how to do that. They can pick up the book, Navigating the Impossible, A Survival Guide for Single Moms from Pregnancy Through the First Year of Motherhood on Amazon. All right. And if they want to connect with you through FN Phenomenal, tell them how to do that as well. Yeah, you can head over to fmphenomenal.com and then go to contact me and then leave a message on the contact page. Or you can email me directly at hello at fnphenomenal.com. All right. Thank you, Aisha. And keep up the great work for the kingdom. All right. Thank you. And please, for all of our, all of our listeners, pray much for Aisha and her ministry and the ministry behind the book as well. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.